Hello, I'm Suzanne. And I'm Peter. And you are listening to Sex Advice for Seniors. And if you like us, please follow us on all our social media channels and share our podcast with your friends and anyone else you think that might be interested. And we are here today with somebody I've been looking forward to talking to for a while now because we've been kind of back and forth on Twitter where I think I first saw you. Um, It's I'm with Lorraine Grover, and you are a psychosexual nurse specialist. You're probably the only person I've ever seen with that title. So I'm curious to know what that actually means. Oh, uh, welcome. Hi, Suzanne and Peter. Um, it's a really good question, that. So I, I care, I've put the title together, really, <laughs> because um, for many years, I was a clinical nurse specialist in, of all things, erectile dysfunction. Um, And then it became clear as I was talking to patients running a trial of a compound that then became a tablet, which was Viagra. It wasn't just the penis I was talking about. It was the whole person and the person maybe in a relationship. So after a few years of my clinical nurse specialist role, I then trained as a sex therapist, a psychosexual therapist. And I was sort of really encouraged to do it when I met a psychosexual therapist who just I thought was amazing and it was sort of the chink uh, of my armory that I didn't have in helping patients so I did my psychosexual training and I am specialized I've been doing this particular job 30 years this year wow 40 years a nurse (laughs) and 30 years in the field of sexual well-being so the specialist part of it I want other clinicians and patients and partners to know that I am specialised in that area and it looks at holistic care um, Mm. which I think is really important that we address that in in sexual well-being. Yeah there's um, the the holistic approach is something we uh, have come across time and time again with uh, the people we've spoken to um, trying to find out how sex fits in with uh, with everyday life really and what what um, what role it takes within people's lifestyles and um, how would you say that that differs for older people and because there's quite a dismissive attitude towards sex on older people it's kind of icky and horrible and we don't want to go there and all those sorts of things how can how can we make it more acceptable to talk about these things Well, I think the great thing is doing this today. You know, the more we talk about it and raise awareness about it, that we help to debunk some of the myths around it. It's not yuck. It's not horrible. It's actually um, good for our soul. We live longer the more orgasms we have. We may be single. And um, I always encourage people to masturbate or wank or whatever words they like using, because actually that's being in tune with our own bodies. We can then share that with others and actually say, do you know what? This is part of my life. Um, I think as we get older, we may, for some of us, become more assured about our bodies. Some Mm -hmm. of us, we may not. But actually, if we can't find out how, our body responds as we age how can we share it with somebody else so I think we've just got to talk about it more I mean Davina McCall did great for the menopause you know yeah yeah. we've just got to get profile people I feel raising awareness about sex and aging Um, and it's so enriching people have time for sex when they're older often 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've brought up children if that's been the case, or they've moved into different relationships or several relationships. You know, we should not be judging people by their age at all. Um, yeah. And I'm curious to know, in your capacity as a, as a psychosexual nurse specialist, do you just work with one practice or are you kind of floating around? How would somebody get referred to you? Like, what's the process? Because we know that often, as we've said before, people, the medical establishment can be incredibly dismissive of people's challenges in this area. And even knowing a person like you exists, like how do people find out about you and 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 discover how to work with you? Yeah, Suzanne, you've hit the nail on the head because um, I've returned to work recently. I, it's on my social media and I got this tumour diagnosed in November. It's removed and it's benign. Great. So I'm firing on all cylinders again <laughs> and I've told everybody. So um, it's, I do float around in a way. I work predominantly in London um the referral pathway that I used to have was actually originally working with a professor of urology who oh. actually said, do you know what, Lorraine, you're better at managing erectile dysfunction and discussing sex than I am. He, he managed patients with prostate cancer. Oh. So, in fact, I used to see the patients preoperatively yeah. and post-op. And we were seen at the time, and this has gone back that 30 years ago, as, you know, trailblazing. Yeah, I bet. He retired and it all stopped. Right. And the younger clinicians, actually, I am now finding it really difficult to engage people, to normalise the discussion in healthcare. So I can sit on, you may have heard of multidisciplinary team meetings. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I could have a list of 25 patients with cancer diagnosis on a multidisciplinary team and I may not get any referrals. So I hear of the cases. Now, joyously, if a patient finds me social media, like you mentioned, you found me that way, and they they come and see me, they go, I wish I'd been told about you. So there's this, I, I it's a bit like, you know, these magician boxes where you've got a body and the feet and the, the middle part, the genitalia is pushed out of the way. <laughs> we need to bring it back in. And I feel... I strongly believe a sex therapist should be part of all multidisciplinary teams. Yeah, absolutely. No no clinician should make that decision on who or who not should be talking about sex because that's bias, isn't it? Where if we say all our patients who present at this clinic or this hospital will have the opportunity to speak to somebody who is trained and professionally accountable, it takes the shame away for the patient often as well. Because I think patients feel shameful. Should I be talking in my 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s about sex? Or is it just for the young? Absolutely not. It should be being discussed whatever age we are. So I think we've got to really change how we look at the the health care we provide. Mm. Um, so I'm really, really passionate about it. And that's what actually got me onto social media. I just thought, do you know what? You're never too old to learn, whether it's sex or social media. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll start dabbling in it and try and get the word out there that it's okay to talk about it. And do you find that um, it's, the, it's the age of the practitioners as well as the, um, as well as the patients that causes the problem? I mean, if you've got a lot of young people uh, doing the diagnosis and the investigations, do you find that they are 
they simply don't think about older people during their during their investigations. I think it's a little mixed. So I'm more in a secondary care setting. Mm. Um, so it's in a hospital setting. And so I'm working with lots of younger clinicians mm. and some older. And I, yeah, I, I maybe slightly better with the younger. You know, I think at, at medical school or in nursing, what input do we get about talking about sex with patients? Um, so it's a bit mixed in primary care. I get feeling that maybe it is being addressed a little bit better because when I first started doing erectile dysfunction and I was at a hospital in South London, I would see patients referred from GPs. So it was quite unusual at the time. But now I see letters maybe where they are, patients are being addressed in primary care a little bit more. For example, 50% of diabetic men will have erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. and it hit an older population late onset diabetes and I find sometimes that there has been some dialogue started in primary care Um, Mm. still a massive um, lack of input about what there is out there to help for example with desire erectile dysfunction and not being able to orgasm so it's not just about the sexual organ it's about the mind and the body and bringing it together so um, yeah, it's it is mixed and, and still poor, I would say. I mean, I suppose the thing is that we hear a lot about erectile dysfunction, mainly because we know about Viagra and you can just walk into Boots now and you can just fill in a form and you can get given it. So that's kind of widely, I, I think, more widely spoken about than, for instance, we've spoken to one woman who told us about vaginal atrophy and how widespread that is. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, until that discussion, I didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she and she was saying, you know, this is something that's very, very common amongst menopausal women, just yeah. really not discussed. So yeah. there's a whole range of other sexual dysfunctions, which just seem to get parked yes. as maybe, you know, oh, maybe it doesn't impact that many people. But from the conversation we had, it was a huge number of people that this yeah. impacts. Yeah. So what 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 are you seeing and how are how's all of this other stuff? Obviously you specialize in erectile dysfunction, but what about all this other stuff? Is it just nobody what's going on with it? Yeah, no one talks about it. You know, I always say I've had two children. Um, I am an older woman. I'm now I've turned 60 last year. I'm fine to talk about that. And no one has asked me about my sex life. I mean, I'll flag it up with <laughs> if I need some help because I've got the confidence to do that. Yeah. We should be addressing these things completely. So although predominantly I see men um, or people with a penis, what I do always ask about if there's a partner and if it's a heterosexual relationship, I'm always asking the female partner about themselves. Yeah. Because it's a really, really important part. And it's amazing the number of women who will have their own health issues yeah. um, running alongside the, the chap who's got erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, I've mentioned prostate cancer, but, you know, women can have breast cancer, the treatments that they have, their altered body image. It has a huge part to play, vaginal atrophy, as you've mentioned. So, again, I talk about lubricants. Um, There's a whole range of lubricants available. You know, people tend to stick with one because it's the one that's well known, but there's oil, silicon, water, 
um, yeah. can merge them. And, you know, I get people thinking about sex toys and which lubes you can use with certain sex toys. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, getting a woman to even think about, you know, this is okay. This is your time now to speak. Um, maybe getting them to explore their own bodies with their fingers, their vagina, or trainers, vaginal trainers, or mm. using a sex toy. Yeah. Um, you know, we've just got to normalise it. And, and, I, yeah, I find there's kind of resistance among amongst older women uh, against uh, masturbation or using a sex toy or all those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are. I think there's a lot of taboo that there's something wrong with me if I've got to use a lubricant. I'm not getting wet enough. Well, actually, yeah, yeah for sure. That mm-hmm. is absolutely not the case. You know, that often a woman can be turned on and they can be wet in their vagina, but the vulva's not that wet. So they're thinking they're not turned on and they could well be. Mm-hmm. And using a lube alters the sensation. So I think we've just got to talk about it normalize it you know mm. actually when i talk about masturbation with women you know no one talked to me about masturbation when i was a younger woman no of course um, not. <laughs> so, yeah not at all and you know i'm very open to talk about it i've got two daughters and you know i've wanted to have this open discussion that i'm here if they ever need to speak to me about it if we can instill in our young people that we age, sex is still part of aging. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes it that that next generation, as they get older, they will be more accepting of. Do you know what? This is fine. This is okay. Yeah. Um, and again, because the penis is visible and the clitoris is hidden. Yeah. Again, a lot of focus is about men's sexual well-being, yeah. not women's. But my gosh, how empowering it is! I feel as a woman when you can explore your own body, bring yourself to orgasm, you know, look at your genitalia. A lot of women have never looked at their vulva. Mm-hmm. They've got no idea what it looks like. Yeah. So I encourage women to get a mirror, to have yeah. a look, see what it feels like. Um, I always say, you know, <laughs> vulvas, penises, they're like hands. We've all got different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no right or wrong. There's no perfect. There's no normal. Um, and accepting what's there and understanding how it works is is empowering. Yeah, well, I remember the lovely Betty Dodson, who you oh, probably yes. knew about, and she she passed away a few years ago. And she was just she was one of the first people to run workshops for women where they would look, encourage each other to look at their private parts yes. and and really like get involved with. Wow! Oh, yeah, I, re- I remember what a video when I trained as a sex therapist and um, and it was of her in a room yeah. and women bring themselves to orgasm. Yeah. And you think, wow. That... Oh, I'm sorry, that's my watch going off there. <laughs> I'm getting all excited and my, my watch has gone off. Um, but, yeah, you know, so it was. It was really amazing to see and think yeah. this can happen. This is brilliant. Why aren't we talking about this? Yeah, Not completely. My, yeah. A friend of mine went to one of her workshops. Amazing, amazing woman. But I, I, I look, it's so, I know, you look, Peter's got MS and and I'm 62 and we have our own issues in that, you know, in that area. 
He takes medication, which means that orgasm can take forever. Yeah. And the orgasm just takes me forever because I'm 62. <laughs> it's just kind of like, just, you know, yeah. and you just bumble, out, bumble along and, just stop. Yeah. And just go, <laughs> that was fun. Let's just stop. Um, <laughs> the, but I think for a lot of people, the emphasis on coming on orgasm is so well, ing- penetration, and in penetration. Mm. it's so ingrained in how we learn about sex. If we learned about sex at all, which let's face it, most people of our age didn't learn about sex. Yeah. So we're kind of bumbling along anyway. And then suddenly we get to an age where everything becomes a little bit more challenging. I know I've certainly been with men who have had erectile dysfunction. My last partner was diabetic and he did start experiencing that and it really affected his self-esteem. He, yeah. he really was wondering what was going on. He felt less masculine. He found it very, very difficult to overcome these, his, what was going on in yeah. his brain essentially. Yeah. Right. And I was just going, look, it's, like you're an older guy, man, it's not going to be the same way it was when you're in your twenties. But of course, it's one thing to say these things. It's another thing to experience them yourself and feel less than perfect, right? Or less than capable of giving pleasure when we've been so indoctrinated into penetrative sex as the primary form of pleasure. How do you deal with all of that stuff? Yeah. You know, I often say to people when sex was good, what was good about it? Yeah. Um, so I actually remove the focus on intercourse often. Yeah. And you can be intimate without intercourse. You can be sensual. You can set time together. You both giggled there when you said, you know, it can take us both a while to come. So we sort of go, oh, hey, never mind, you know. We smiled. <laughs> so you two have come to an agreement with each other that if you're fatigued or it's not going to happen on that day, cuddle connect communicate that they're really important things to do Mm -hmm. um there are exercises called sensate focus where actually i say to people if you explore your bodies without the thought of expectation Mm -hmm. you've not touched the head the ears the neck the skin is a massive erogenous zone just give yourself some time that you'll set aside to explore each other can be really rewarding and it rekindles an intimacy that may have changed mm. for reasons like ill health you mm. know better diagnosis and it just changes their life completely sex becomes bottom of the pile and what does sex mean well mm. it's about intimacy it's an adult fun playful relationship mm. um it's not always about penetration um and things like altered sensation you know um um with yourself with EMS that's what I thought I was getting when I couldn't feel my toes with this mm. um, tumor that I had diagnosed that so actually you sort of re- reawakened your life and you suddenly think what what do I want here in life you know mm. if I've got a condition that affects my neurological system I may need more stimulation like diabetes I may need more stimulation to get aroused yeah. I may use a sex toy because actually I'm really knackered and fatigued at the end of the day or mm. even in the afternoon you know I might be better in the morning to have sex so mm. why not factor in yeah. if that is the case for people who might get more fatigued to have sex at a different time of the day that they're used to yeah um, and, and bringing in, you know, I like getting people to think about our senses, sight, smell, sound, taste and touch. Mm. Think about, you know, what smells you can have in the room. Yeah. 
what mm. perfume or aftershave or anything that actually heightens our senses to make us feel good and relax because our brain is the biggest sex organ if we're not relaxed yeah you know, try and chase this i've got to orgasm i've got to get an erection you know you you're actually not relaxing you're not in the moment no. and that's what intimacy and sexuality is about isn't it it's about just letting yeah. it be, go with the flow communicating about it um for a better outcome and nourishment of whatever you want to achieve from that encounter. Yeah, we've um, used the phrase outer course rather than intercourse. <laughs> I love that phrase. Yeah, I use that as well. And there's a really good book actually called Mind the Gap by Karen Gurney. And that gap is the orgasm gap, you know, yeah. 20 minutes longer than a guy to orgasm. Yeah. Um, and adapting to your outer course. You know, foreplay. What I mean, I use injections a lot. You might go, injections? What? And I go, yeah. You know, you inject your penis. It raises the debt. It can help with <laughs> other conditions that won't get things like Viagra working. Because you mentioned Suzanne. Yes, you can get Viagra from the chemist over the counter. It's a small dose. It's expensive because it's branded. Yeah. And if it's a small dose, it may not work. And what happens then is. Older people in particular, well, younger, I mean, you'd think that younger people are having great sex. They're absolutely not. You know, I think mm-hmm. yeah. that if the tablet doesn't work, that's it. It's horror. You know, what's gone on? It hasn't worked for me. And it's a small oh. dose. Or there's ill health that's impacting in the background. Mm. When I use injections, I said to a couple last week, actually, um, oh, I can make an injection be very sexy. But you wouldn't <laughs> think that, would you? You know, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> It's a tiny needle. It goes in your penis, away from the the head in the shaft. It's as quick as anything, and within five to ten minutes, at the right dose, you can get an erection. Amazing! And how long does it last for, out of interest? Well, you only want it to last. Well, yeah, it varies depending on the dose. So you start with a small dose, and you gradually increase it, and yeah. that's really important because what you don't want to get is a priapism, which is a medical emergency. Yeah. when an erection lasts for more than four hours. So um, I always tell patients what to do if it looks like that's going to happen. Yeah. I've used injections for a long time. But again, our heads make us think injections, genitalia, yeah. or, or as a partner, I'm not turning him on. No, that's not the case. Ill health has caused this issue. Yeah. You know, understanding why that's happened and mm. actually, you know, using treatments, even a sex toy, I go, it doesn't talk. It no. doesn't talk. Not telling anyone. Yes, yes, it might achieve something, but yeah. it's not doing all those other things that the human person you're with is is providing for you, the nurturing side of it. Yeah, I mean, look, that's it, it. I've definitely been in relationships where I've introduced a sex toy and it's been rejected. Just yeah. No, we won't be having that yeah. because yeah. it's it's this feeling that somehow it's replacing something else. And it's like, look, you can't yeah. have sex with me in like the doggy position and touch my clitoris because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's like yeah. you don't have a magic penis with an ex- yeah. with an extra extension on it. So like stuff, but it's amazing how people do 
feel that these things that you introduce, whether it's a lubricant, whether it's Viagra, whether it's a toy, somehow mean that you're less than yeah. whatever they're, they think, you know, as you said, it doesn't talk, it doesn't do anything. It's just, it just is supporting you to have more fun. I just think it's just supporting you to have more fun. So it's just more more fun. It's not, but it, it is a big, it is, it's, you know, it is still, unfortunately, I, I still think these things are quite radical ideas especially growing up in a generation where mm. we didn't receive any sex education. Yeah. We didn't, we have very, we a lot of shame around sex. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I, I'd, I'd like to talk to people about, tell me a bit about growing up, you know, tell yeah. me about what you did. Parents talk about sex with you. Mm-hmm. Growing up. Um, what myths, what did you learn? You know, because again, people don't necessarily get it from a reliable source. No. Um, yeah. Porn is used a lot for education and everyone thinks, you know, they should be looking like these porn people and noises and their bodies are perfect. And no, that is just not the case. You know, I think it's so accessible for people um, that it's giving people there. There is some great ethical porn that's out there that people can talk about, watch together. You know, I, I'm not saying it's bad at all. I think you've, people have just got to open up the dialogue. It can be mm. education, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, different sex positions. And so it's an area where we can actually empower ourselves by learning more. Yeah. Uh, and that's OK to do. It's a really important thing for us to do. Yeah. Um, you know, the isolation of people who might be older, widowed, um, not knowing how they can go forward. Actually, if you've got a sexual difficulty, you might stop yourself from going to, I mean, there's lots of tea dancers. I live in Buckinghamshire. (laughs) (laughs) My my clinic here years ago, there was a gentleman said, you know, I go to these tea dancers and the ratio of women to men is huge. And I'm, being offered sex, but I've got erectile dysfunction, you know. And I was going, well, how enriching for you that you're connecting with these ladies yeah. who yeah. are enjoying your company. Let's see what we can do about that. But also, if we can't do anything about your erections, how can you move forward with feeling good um, and forming relationships with people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men tend to think it's all about penis and a woman wants a hard penis. And no, they don't. They don't, they don't, they don't. Some may do, but for men, it's far more enriching in a relationship, the intimacy, the touch, the kissing. You know, I get people kissing again where they've they've not been kissing for years. Yeah. Um, Or sometimes it's down to things like smell. I mean, the number of people who say, well, my partner just doesn't get showered very often. Um, Yeah, that feeling. (laughs) And I just think, well, this is quite fundamental, you know, and I, you know, we can bring humor into that, but actually, do you want to give oral sex to somebody who never washes, you know, or just kiss mm. somebody who doesn't clean their teeth properly? Mm. Yeah. Amazing what things go on that we've got no idea about. Yeah. Or how do we initiate sex if we're sleeping in separate bedrooms? Yeah, yeah. Things mm. like snoring, you know. Yeah. You need yeah. sleep, you know. Um, <laughs> So it's a Pandora's box, which I love opening. <laughs> or, or, you know, that tin when people go, oh, it's opening up a tin of can of worms. And I go, hey, come on, let's open it up and discuss. Yeah. So, so the worms are in there. 
No, I mean, it's look, it's it, it, and it is a Pandora's box. That's the thing. It is a Pandora's box. And and the medical establishment is not really dealing with this Pandora's box. And in a way, you know, as you say, there should be somebody like you in every clinic yeah. because it's such a yeah. fundamental part of life. It's almost ridiculous that we are talking to you as the only person I've ever seen using the title of psychosexual nurse specialist, right? I mean, it's yeah. fundamentally, it's kind of almost ridiculous that here we are in 2023 yeah. and you are this sort of lone person out there tell, you know, doing something which to me seems so fundamental to, to helping people. And, you know, you touched on it briefly that often erectile dysfunction, especially can be symbolic of deeper medical issues. Yes. In two cases in my life, sadly, the two people that um, I have been with that are no longer present on this earth um, in both cases, the reason why they discovered there was a deeper medical issue was because of erectile dysfunction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, three to five years before a heart attack, a cardiac event, a man can present with erectile dysfunction. But the vessels in the penis are much smaller than the vessels in the heart. Right. right. So when they start to not work so well, um, it's only we can talk about hearts, they're safe things to talk about, but we don't talk about penises. Mm. Yeah. It is. And again, we we just don't, it's just been removed from discussing with patients. The government set out guidelines when Viagra came out and yeah. they were saying, you know, men can get one treatment a week on the NHS. One treatment a week? Well, actually, someone's sexual activity could be two or three times a week. Yeah. And that can affect our mental health. Mm. So there are these guidelines brought in, and there's been a massive one actually came out at Christmas about prostate cancer, massive international guideline. And it's about this holistic care, and it's not just about function. Um, But there are these prescribing things that are put on for people. We've had it recently about HRT for women, haven't we, about access to HRT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. for it um and the psychological distress for women regarding the menopause and the changes that happen are humongous and the relationship issues within families you know that if parents whether it's a mom a dad or a couple have got their own sexual ill health as a consequence of aging um but there's shame about discussing or accessing help Mm. i think quite criminal um and mental health we hear a lot about male suicide yeah Um, and again i've been shouting from the rooftops what statistics do we have about male suicide and sexual difficulties whatever they could be or sexual well-being yeah and no one has any answers that i'm hearing no i I can't think Um, of any that are available that that point out their connection but also, yeah. it, I didn't, you know, I didn't know, and I suspect most men don't know, that if they start to struggle with getting an erection, that it could be a sign, like you say, yeah. of some sort of heart disease, because yeah. all they're thinking is something, the woman is often thinking, oh, he must not find me attractive, me. right? Yeah. So there must be something wrong. He's thinking, what's going on? It's not working like it used to. He's not yeah. thinking, oh, there might be something more serious I'm going to have a look at. 
And, you know, in one case, my partner had liver cancer and in the other case, he had bowel cancer. So, you know, yeah, yeah, but that's kind of how it both, but with both of them, it started that way with them saying something's just not right. And it's not just about my dick. It's about something more than that. But of course you don't go to the doctor going, this isn't going up anymore. And they go, Oh, let's look at your heart. Hmm. Yeah, and, and that's what yeah, we should be doing. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing, yeah. right? Yeah. And do you ever do you mind if I ask you, Peter, have you ever been asked in your MS appointments about your sexual well being? Um yeah, but it's on a sort of um tick list, you know, it's on yeah. a sort of um one of many things. Um yeah. it's not so there is a, at all. Yeah. There is a thing called holistic needs assessment. Mm. So any list you know sadly if you have got a cancer diagnosis you may be being asked about this holistic needs assessment this form mm. and there is a sexual well-being section mm. and i think it gets ticked off and it gets put in the notes and mm. that's it is and that's it? Like what you've just said you know it no, no. gets mentioned a little bit but it's not actually being addressed mm. so i use some tools if you don't mind the pun no. <laughs> whatever we call our penis whether it's a tool a dick or whatever um, and I use a thing called the erection hardness score. So it gives me an understanding of can, a, can you get a hard enough erection for penetration, whether it's an anus, a mouth, a vagina. Um, so it's not saying I'm 50% there because it's a bit woolly, isn't it, 50%? I don't really know what that means. Um, and there's a score I use. So I get patients filling them in beforehand um, mm. and about erectile function, about their gender their mm. sexuality because again fluidity because yeah. i think we might experiment more as we get older we might actually change and dip in and out of different relationships whether they're same sex or opposite sex um and again there's a lot of bias to heterosexual relationships within healthcare yeah yeah and the sort of normalized thought behind that and i think well how can a healthcare professional give individualized care if we actually don't even understand how someone identifies themselves. Mm, so, uh, yeah. There are many factors involved with that. Um, mm. So there are tools that healthcare professionals could use if they choose to yeah. that can aid that dialogue. And I don't get anybody saying, I don't want to fill it in. Mm. You know, I just say, how can I give you personalised care unless I know this information? Yeah, completely. Well, I mean, hopefully things have moved on since 2004, which is when my, the guy with liver cancer died, because when he went to the doctor after he'd been diagnosed, he said, can I have some Viagra, please? This was nearly 20 years ago now. And the doctor said, let's look at that in a few weeks time and see how you're getting on. Oh, and he said, but I've been told I don't have very long, so can yeah, I just yeah. have some Viagra, please, so I can enjoy the last few months of my life. Sorry about the morbid discussion. And, 100%, uh, and he said, a palliative care is an area that is so, so important mm-hmm. um, because I was fortunate. I spoke a while back, actually, to a palliative care group. And intimacy, you know, we should be having rooms where people can be intimate. Absolutely. It should be part of palliative care. Completely. Um, I think dementia is an area. My my mum got Alzheimer's, my dad got Parkinson's. And um, I fortuitously ended up by mama dildo. <laughs> well, and a vibrator and then a dildo because she, she was like, 
became hypersexual with her dementia. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Dad had ED and, you know, so we had this dialogue. That Dad came to live with us and my mom stayed up in the northeast. She didn't want to move to the bloody south, you know. So we managed to keep them seeing each other, but sex changed massively for them. Yeah. The intimacy of these two frail bodies changing, but kissing each other and holding a hand mm-hmm. is I just it was so rewarding. I felt, you know, if I trained as a nurse just to do that with mum and dad, job done, I loved it. Mm. And it was hard. It was hard as family members saw this change. Yeah, yeah. You know, we again, people might be in uh, care homes. And how are we looking at addressing intimacy? I mean, I noticed on Twitter recently somebody had was doing some research about that you know I liked it and said great you know this needs to happen yeah well we interviewed Jackie Marshall Cyrus who's um specializes in that area oh. and we had a whole discussion about how people are neutered in care homes and and completely denied sexual activity because most of the staff don't know how to deal with it but that's a whole nother oh well let's be yeah, big Pandora's yeah. box of stuff yeah. but again it's all part of aging isn't it you know yeah that's- yeah yeah. And Laura's got a very big box. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Peter keeps going, how long can we keep doing this for? And I'm like, man, there is no shortage of interesting people out there exploring these areas because bizarrely or sadly or wonderfully, we're still at the very early stages as, as aging people mm. in understanding that sex is part of, is an ongoing part of our lives. And, yes. and, and, and so it's kind of weird that what we do is considered quite radical, but it's necessary. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Anyway, Lorraine, it's been really, really great to talk to you. I'm glad we finally got to connect. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank, really good. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and we'll put all your socials and stuff like that. And if anybody out there is listening and wants to get in touch with Lorraine, then you yeah. will now be able to do so. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Thanks ever so much for the invitation. Thank and uh, you. yeah, let's all carry on, carry on with our mission. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Bye. Bye.